Welcome to the Studio Sisters podcast. We're your hosts and sisters, Katie and Taylor. We travel the world, make beautiful things, and run our online businesses. We're creative entrepreneurs and Etsy experts, and we are on a mission to help you make meaningful income online and to create what you love. On the Studio Sisters podcast, we will dive into all things Etsy, running an online business, making money, creating while traveling, and growing your brand. We want you to leave this podcast with more confidence in yourself, your online small business, and the belief that your creative dream life is possible for you. So let's do this. Welcome. Going live today. Here from Studio Sisters. Hey everyone. I'm Taylor. And I'm here. Oh hey Andrea. I'm here with Andrea of Andrea Sager Law. How are you? I am great. Happy to be chatting today. How's it going? Happy Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. A couple days before Thanksgiving. So this is like my last like thing on my to-do list. (laughs) Um I actually started like doing a few cooking things and getting ready for guests this morning. How about you? I, my kids are out of town, so I just got off the phone with them, and I'm, me and my parents are just going to go out to eat at a restaurant on Thursday. No kids, so we're just hanging out. Oh, that's awesome. That sounds very relaxing. Hopefully it is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay, hey everyone. So, super excited that you're here joining us. Just so you know, today we're talking about Three Steps to Legally Protect Your Small Business, and Andrea is here with us. She is an attorney um, who's pretty much specialized in small business law, right? Yes, absolutely. So would you give us a quick intro and then also share your, like, why of, like, why small business? As an attorney, I feel like I think of attorneys like people who could work with literally anyone. <laughs> like, why are you interested in small business law? Yeah, so I started my first business before law school. And well, really going into law school, I started it was a women's clothing boutique. And when I started my job, so I got the big log job right out of law school. And I thought I was set for life. That was my dream job. I was like, Oh, my gosh, I'm never gonna have to worry about money ever again. And the first week I was there, I will never forget. It just hit me all of a sudden because there was all of these old white men in three-piece suits. And it hit me all of a sudden. I was like, they have been here since they were my age. And immediately I was like, how do I get out of here? I can't be here for the next 40 years of my life. (laughs) And so I... I started and my ex-husband, we had a eight, my son at the time who was eight months old and he was staying home. And so I was only the only breadwinner. So I couldn't exactly just up and leave. And luckily eight months later, about seven, eight months later, I was fired. Um, but in the meantime, I had a lot of small businesses coming to me and they were all connections from that first business. So I sold that when I started at the law firm. And so a lot of boutique owners, a lot of small businesses came to me. So I saw this need and they all needed help, but didn't know where to go. The big firm didn't want to help them. The big firm didn't even, they couldn't afford the rates. And so I saw this clear need 
And finally, I was wanting to go out on my own, but still being the only breadwinner is really, it, I just couldn't up and leave on my own. So the universe was just like, here, here's a nice little severance package. Time for you to go do your own thing. And so that's what I did a five and a half years ago. And now we're just booming. I have so much going on. We have our legal tech company now. I have a book coming out in January. And it's just from the beginning, I saw the need for somebody to serve small businesses. And I thought, why not me? Oh, I love that story. Like I've talked about this with other live guests that we've had, but like, it's amazing what doors, like what paths become clear mm -hmm. that like when you decided it was off limits, it wasn't visible to you. But once you're like, wait a second, like what if it was me? It's amazing what happens. Exactly. I remember, and it's so funny. I think about a year ago, I had this vision where I remember sitting in my office and it, really at the time, like online businesses were really starting to boom. But I remember sitting there thinking, I was like, oh, wouldn't that be so cool if I was like that go-to attorney for online businesses? And I remember like a year ago, I was like, holy shit, like that actually happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for sharing your introduction story. I'm sure many of our like followers and people joining us on this live is the first time that they're like seeing your face. So super excited that you're here. So um, our audience and everyone watching are primarily Etsy sellers, I'm guessing, and handmade business owners. So Andrea's going to share with us some like three simplified steps to legally protecting your business. And I think this is a topic that we don't talk about very much, like AKA not at all. Um, <laughs> and so I'm excited. I have like some questions that I'm super, super interested in this. And I've been talking to some of our like Etsy sellers in our community and they're all like so pumped for this, even if they're not here in the live today, um, to learn, okay, step by step, like, what do I need to do? So if you want to start, like, start with step one, what do we do to protect Perfect. our businesses? So number one, it, first things first, none of this, if you don't do any of this, it's not illegal to operate your business like this. Mm -hmm. Probably what you're doing is fine, probably, but the whole goal is to lower your risk level. Because the moment you become a business owner, you go from here as an individual to here as a business owner. It's very risky. And so everything that we're implementing is just lowering your level of risk. And at the same time, we're laying down layers of protection. That way there's a wall so high that nobody can get through it and infringe and hurt your business. Mm -hmm. So that's the whole purpose of everything that we're doing. So rule number one, entities. This is how you legally operate your business. Most people are a sole proprietor, but I'm sure you've heard of an LLC, which is a limited liability company. I personally think you should be an LLC as soon as possible. It doesn't matter what's, what kind of business, what stage of business, probably you need to be an LLC because this limits your personal liability from the debts of your company. So if you're a sole proprietor, a million things can happen that can cause you to get sued, but you want to make sure that you cannot personally get sued and that's where the LLC comes in. So if something happens in the business, they can only come after those business assets. They can't come after you personally, which can be your house, your car, anything you own personally. And a, a lot of times people will say, well, I heard from, cause if you go to a Facebook group and you ask, Hey, should I be an LLC? Should I be a sole proprietor? Should I be an S corp? 
you'll get a million different answers from a million different people. And so what I'm here to tell you is my answer from a full comprehensive overview of a business. So you want to be an LLC. Now the S Corp, this is actually not an entity in and of itself. It is a tax filing status. So the LLC provides personal liability protection. The S Corp provides tax savings and the ideal situation for a small business owner is to be an LLC taxed as a as an S corp. You can be a corporation taxed as an S corp, but a corporation normally I only suggest that if you're going to have investors, it, because they want to have a layer of management without doing the day to day in the business. That's where that's what the corporation is most beneficial for. Right. LLC gets you pretty much the same protect. It gives you all the protection you need as a small business owner without all the extra fees, the extra maintenance. LLC is the best option for a small business owner. And the reason you want to be an LLC as soon as possible is because you never know what's going to happen. So a lot of people will say, oh, I heard I should wait until I'm making this amount of money or that amount of money. Most of the time that's coming from an accountant because they intertwine an LLC and the escort filing. A lot of times those are done at the same time, but they do not have to be. You need to be making a certain amount of money to make the escort election, which that is a question for your accountant on when to make that election. But you still want to have that liability protection as soon as possible. Because you're thinking right now, well, I don't have any assets. I don't have anything that needs to be protected. Not only are you protecting what you have now, but you're protecting what you may have in the future. Because let's say today you don't file your sole proprietor, but you accidentally do something today that can cause you to get sued in the future because the lawsuit's not going to happen today. It's going to happen in the mm -hmm. future. In you know, a year from now, you may actually be an LLC and that's when you get sued and you're thinking, oh, this sucks, but I'm an LLC. Personally, I'm fine. That's actually not the case. If you were not an LLC at the time the act happened, you do not get the LLC protection. So they can come after your house, your car, your personal assets. And not that everybody's going to get sued. Very rarely any of us will get sued. But the fact that you have that protection there will actually deter people from coming after you because they know the business probably doesn't have many assets, if at all. So the, uh, as far as entities go, LLC is the way to go. That was super one. Um, and I'm glad that so far I'm on track here. I'm giving myself a, a checkup while you're saying this. And like both of my businesses, actually all three of my businesses were LLCs long before I made any money. And it's just like peace of mind, peace of mind that like everything separated, like my business is not a representation or like an attachment of myself legally. Um, so I love that you said that. And I did not know that basically what you're saying is that like, if you were to get sued, um, whatever the, I don't know the right word, infraction, like whatever your status was at the time of that, that's retroactive, yeah. right? So what you're saying is like, if you are a sole proprietor and you accidentally copyright on someone else right now, but you don't get sued until a year from now when you're an LLC, that potentially like you would be considered a sole proprietor at the time of that lawsuit. It was that accurate? Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, we have a question. So, and thank you for explaining that. I did not know that. Um, so Shannon says, can you explain what a sole proprietorship needs 
versus a side hustle. I'm not quite sure I understand, um, Shannon. I don't know if you're asking like accounting wise or what you mean like legally to be considered a sole proprietorship. Um, and Andrea, if you've got any ideas, but if not, I'll also wait for Shannon. Yeah. To so that's, it's pretty much the same thing. There's, you're a sole proprietor if you're not an LLC or a corporation or any other entity. So by default, you're a sole proprietor. If you have a side hustle, if you're a freelancer, these are all terms that people call themselves, okay. but they are technically a sole proprietor. And I've even had people that are already making money and they're like, oh, I want to start a business doing this. I want to do this with it. I want to, and I'm like, hey, you actually already have a business. If you are changing, if money's changing hands in exchange for goods or services, you have a business and it needs to be protected. And I love how you mentioned that you had an LLC before you started making money. A lot of people don't realize that's even possible. And the thing is, you want to file the LLC as you're getting ready to launch your business, mm -hmm. as you're preparing your business. Because you could be entering into contracts. There's, you can be building buzz on social media. There's so many things that you're doing to prepare to launch your business that can still cause you to get sued. And I'm not saying everything you do is going to cause you to get sued, but the whole point is to lower your risk. And that number, step one, number one is filing that LLC. Oh, I love that. Okay. Yeah. So just summing up real quick here. If you're doing any kind of active business by default, you are basically a sole proprietorship. If that money's changing hands like that for all in legal intents and purposes, that's a baseline. You don't need to file something. You just consider that. And then the level of protection is the LLC. So what's step two, Andrea? And if you guys have questions, please, as you're watching this live, put them in the comments. We will answer all of your questions. But Andrea, if you want to um, go ahead and tell us what step two is, that'd be great. Yeah, so step number two is contracts. And if you have an e-commerce business, if you're on Etsy, you may not think too much about contracts because you're like, oh, they're just buying from me and there's the terms or whatever. But even the terms on Etsy are critically important for your business. But rule number one, if you have a website, you need to have a privacy policy and terms and conditions. The privacy policy governs what private information you're collecting, how you're storing it, how you're using it, will you sell it to other people, and... It, it might sound crazy that you have to draft this, but every website legally has to have a privacy policy. Terms of, terms of use is the contract between you and the user of your website, so just a visitor, and you want to make sure these terms are present. They're not required by law, but they still govern, like, what if this happens or that happens? You always want to make sure those are present on your website. If somebody can purchase something on your website, the terms of use can double as terms and conditions. On Etsy, the checkout terms, always make sure it's very clear. Like, what's your refund policy? What can you exchange? Can Like, all of those things you want to make sure they are aware of. Is this actually a digital download? Are they getting a physical product? A lot of people purchase a digital products thinking it's a physical good. And as long as you just need to make sure it's very, very clear. That way you don't have issues with Etsy because Etsy, obviously, it's a great platform to make a lot of money, but they are also protective of their buyers. So if you have too many infractions on your own Etsy, Etsy shop, you're going to get shut down and you don't want right. that to happen. Right, exactly. Um, and we've talked a little <laughs> bit about copyright and stuff um, in the past through different like trainings and podcast episodes we've had, but like it really comes down to it not being like you want to do all of these things, making sure you have that right information. And then if you have your own website, like you said, the privacy policies, 
because like, it's just not worth it. There's no point in being in business if you don't do it in a way that sets you up for success. Like why take the risk of losing everything you build when you like literally do not need to. Exactly. Exactly. And so always just make sure, especially on Etsy, I know there's a lot of Etsy sellers here. Always make sure you're reading the contract with Etsy. I know it's a headache to read the fine print, but with Etsy, like I said, there's people making tons and tons of money on Etsy. You just don't want to make Etsy mad. And right. they lay out all, they lay it all out in their terms. So as long as you're sticking to that, you'll be fine. But in contracts wise, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of other contracts that can be applicable, but those are the main ones. Anytime money is changing hands, that's when you want to use a written contract. If you hire an independent contractor, like a freelancer, make sure they have a contract. If you hire an actual employee, you want to contract with them. So anytime money is changing hands, that's when you want to use a written contract. Yeah, those are some really good like points in which Etsy sellers might be using contracts or need them. I um hiring assistants, employees, even people like if you had event staff, like let's say you're doing a craft market, it has nothing to do with Etsy and you're hiring someone to come in and work that booth. Or if you're putting your products in a gift shop on commission, like that shop needs to have a contract or you need to have a written agreement with them. Even if they don't have it, I personally wouldn't put my product in a shop unless I brought them a contract and said like, here's my contract for you to be selling my goods. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so we have a question in the audience. Um, is there a specific type of lawyer you need to form your LLC or can you do it via a website on your own? What are your recommendations, Andrea? So you can absolutely DIY, you can do it on your own. You go to your state's Secretary of State website. You can have an attorney do it for you. That's gonna be the most costly option. The next level down would be using a third party. So we have Legalpreneur. So the legalpreneur.com is a third party kind of kind of like legal zoom but i like to think we're better and <laughs> we don't make as many mistakes so like somebody like legalpreneur we can file it for you there's just no attorney client relationship there and then the cheapest option is doing it yourself because there's no third party fees you're just paying the state filing fee if you do it on your own you just want to make sure you do all of the steps so you first file with the secretary of state you can do that online and then you want to get your EIN number from the IRS. And it is a new EIN, even if you had one as a sole proprietor. And then you want to make sure you have an operating agreement. Some states require articles of organization. So it just depends on what your state requires. But you just want to make sure you complete all of those steps. Yeah, and I will add, I don't know if this is the case in every state. But I know like in Florida, I just recently filed a new LLC. And they required a before I could file the LLC, a trade name registration as well with the state before. So these, it's going to vary, I think, state by state, but it's really important that you do these stuff like in the right order. And so if that seems intimidating to you, you might want the assistance of like a third party or an attorney for filing your LLC. And Andrea, if you'll send me the link to where they can get started on that, we'll share it on our stories after the live. Um, yeah. And that's what, you know, if anyone wants to follow up with you. Okay. Another question is what are your thoughts on insurance versus contracts? I feel like having a contract is a given for sure, but what are the benefits of having business insurance? Like it's for a chef and cover like food poisoning. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So 
insurance is another added layer of protection. So insurance, so you want to have all of these things. You want to have the LLC, you want to have contracts, and then you want to have insurance as well. The insurance is actually going to protect you if there are monetary losses in the business. And let's say you, so this actually happens, I'm not going to say all the time, but if you accidentally use a photo of somebody else's and you didn't know that was copyright infringement and years later they want to come after you, if you have business insurance and you get that cease and desist letter or get sued, the insurance is actually just going to take over and just pay it off for you. They're going to take care of the whole thing. And if you get sued, the insurance actually pays for your defense. So if you're, let's say you're an LLC. And you're thinking, okay, I get sued, this sucks, but at least I'm an LLC, personally, I'm fine, but you still have to pay to fight that lawsuit. Mm -hmm. If you have insurance, the insurance kicks in to pay for that defense. You don't have to pay for it out of pocket. So you're saying best case scenario is that you have that business liability insurance mm -hmm. as another layer of protection. Yes. Yep. And if you go to my bio, I have a link for nationwide insurance. They're doing great work for small businesses. There's a business advisor tool. You just go through, answer some questions, and they actually tell you exactly what insurance you need. I'm writing this down right now. <laughs> um, all right. So step number three, tell us like, all right, so we've got an LLC and we also are in the habit of using contracts anytime money is exchanging hands specifically like checking etsy making sure we're in compliance with etsy's terms of service and then also any other outside contracts what's step number three for protecting our business so step number three is my favorite it is intellectual property this is my bread and butter it's my jam so intellectual property is it's really three main areas patents trademarks and copyrights I don't cover patents. They're new inventions. If you ever need a patent referral, let me know. I'm just not <laughs> that's going to take care of it. Now, trademarks and copyrights, these are two of the most misused terms with business owners. And they're two of the most important terms for business owners because most likely your business's most valuable asset is intellectual property. So really quickly to know the difference, trademarks equals branding, copyrights equal content. So trademarks are what identify your brand, your brand name, your logo, your slogan, a product name, a service name, anything that has a unique name within your business, it can probably be protected with a trademark. Then we have copyrights, which is all the creative work. This can be your blog posts, your videos, your photos, your website copy, your product descriptions, any creative work that's being consistently created, that's protected with a copyright. The, one of the easiest ways to know the difference, so your podcast name is protected with a trademark. Each episode is protected with a copyright. Okay. Trademarks, you do not automatically have protection. You need to file a federal trademark application to get that protection. Copyrights, the moment the work is created, you automatically have federal copyright protection. You still may want to get the, the registration, for different reasons, but just know that you're a lot of times for small business owners, your money is better spent on a trademark application than a copyright application. If money's not an issue, you absolutely want both. But I, I usually work with really small businesses that only have a limited budget. And so I tell them your money is probably better spent with a trademark application. Okay, so we were just talking the other night in one of my, um, my Etsy seller mastermind. And 
we were talking about how there's an Etsy seller, a business who has a trademark on Girl Mom. It is the name of her business, but because it's also trademarked, even though it's a very common phrase, other Etsy sellers who sell products for mothers of girls cannot use that as a tag on Etsy. And it's kind of, you know, it's like a point of contention. Yeah. So I'm curious if you could like, this is a big one. So yeah. like what, maybe, maybe like this is a two-sided question. One, like where would you start with making sure your own stuff, like how can you be in a good practice of protecting it? And then like, what's your advice for making sure that you don't infringe on someone else's copyrighted content? Or even if they don't have like a trademark um, or a formal copyright, but making sure that in, in general, you're not accidentally using something that would be their intellectual property. I guess it's too, too yeah. sad on that question. So we'll start with like a t-shirt design. So a t-shirt design, let's say it has words to it. And this is a big point of contention right now because the courts are kind of split. So until mm -hmm. somebody spends the money to fight it all the way in court, we're not going to have a clear cut answer. So a t-shirt design, if it has words and a design component to it, that full design can be protected with a copyright. The words, people want to trademark those words, mm -hmm. but there are some, so there's a big split with the courts. A lot, some courts say, if it's just a design on a t-shirt, it cannot be protected with a trademark because it doesn't identify a brand. Now, if it's like a logo, how you know, like the polo right. logo, that is showing trademark representation of the logo. But if it's just a wide, like a big t-shirt design, they call that ornamental. It's just there for decoration. It's not identifying mm -hmm. a brand. If you're using that design long enough, it can acquire distinctiveness and it can't, that way it does get stronger trademark protection. But if it's just an ornamental design, it's very, very weak and can easily be contested. However, that being said, even though it can easily be contested, a lot of small businesses don't want to spend the money to fight it. And so some of these businesses are getting away with being bullies on, you know, going after anybody that does use girl mom or boss mom or <laughs> boy mom, whatever it is. And until somebody fights them, they're going to be able to continue doing that. And it's really hard for small businesses because fighting that can be ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars plus. Right. And it's like, do I really want to fight that for me to give everybody the right to fight it? So until I think there's got to be somebody that rallies the troops together to fight it. Um, but so that's I think that's one part of the question. The other part is if you want to make sure that you're not infringing on someone, mm -hmm. a you want to check for trademarks. So you can go to the USPTO.gov. And the thing about trademarks, which throws a lot of people off, is it's not just the same exact name that can be trademark infringement. It's anything similar enough where consumers are likely to be confused. So a couple things there. It doesn't have to be the same. It can only be similar. And consumers don't have to actually be confused. It just has to be likely that they could be confused. So there's a lot of room for interpretation there. But when it comes to trademarks, I tell people, you know, if there's a phrase you want to use, search it on the trademark database, search it on Google. And if you find the same exact name, if it's in a completely different industry, it may not be trademark infringement. 
if you want to put it, uh, if you want to start a clothing brand with that name, and there's somebody that has a makeup brand with that name, it probably isn't trademark infringement. There's probably some more digging that needs to get done. But if it's completely different industries, probably not trademark infringement. So checking trademarks, that's where you can do it for um, trademarks. Now, copyrights is a lot harder because not everybody has their copyrights registered. And so what I suggest, it, the, the easiest thing is to just be original and creative and be unique. If you're creating a design based off of somebody else's work, it may lend itself to copyright infringement. It doesn't mean it is. So the test for copyrights is substantially similar. Right. Understood. Okay. Substantially. <laughs> what, is, what is substantially similar? Nobody knows. And right. so a lot of times clients will come to me and they're like, hey, is this infringement? And are like, hey, if I do this, is this infringement? I'm like, hey, I actually just have to see it to say yay or nay. And it, because there's really, there's no bright line rule. Nobody knows what substantially similar is. And so once I see the two designs, then I can say, eh, it might be, or no, you're fine. But it's hard. It, it really is hard to search copyrights. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely a challenge for like virtually all sellers because we are wanting to make products that are on trend, in style. So we go to look for inspiration and then people start to question, um, you know, am I like copying too much or am I just drawing multiple sources of inspiration? So I, and you can tell me if you're in agreement or, with this or not, but like my general piece of advice is like, you need to pull, if you're gonna be creating design, you need to pull one from your own, it should be your own individual ideas, but also like multiple sources. There shouldn't be one design idea, yeah. like going okay. into this, because that essentially is a copy. Um, right. So like, can you prove to me, like, can you to prove to yourself that you have at least three at a minimum, like things that are going in, color palettes, different fonts, like sizing, the way things are laid out. And so like, then it's like, a new creation and if you have anything else you would add to that or disagree with feel free to tell me yeah no i mean I, you just want to make sure that it's different enough yeah. and what but and another thing is let's say you have there's a t-shirt design that has a tree in the woods with some deer and bears somebody has that design and you want to create something similar like there so that's not original the idea of a tree right. in the woods with a bear and some deer. That's not original. So if you want to create, you know, some different types of trees, different looking bear, a different looking deer, like that's okay. Because the idea of having those items together is not original. The right. expression of them is different. So the idea might be the same and ideas cannot be protected. It's the expression of them so i know that still is kind of vague but mm -hmm. the, just remember the ideas of things cannot be protected so one okay. thing that might be a little easier to explain so for a lot of coaches they have freebies and ebooks and it's like five steps to make a million dollars i'm making this up and if they want to have you know step one step two step three step four step five and it's laid out in that way and then somebody else has five steps to make a million dollars and they want to lay it out as five, four, three, two, one, or five, four, two, one, three. That's not infringement of any kind because it's the same idea, 
but not the same expression. Now, if it is like they take one, two, three, four, five, and they literally copy word for word, they just put in a different order, that's probably infringement. But if they want to throw in, you know, one, two, three, have a six in there instead of a five, like different orders, different things, like the idea of five ways to make a million, five steps to make a million dollars, that's not unique. And so it's the expression of it that is unique. Oh, that's such a helpful explanation. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's really helpful for understanding, like, for Etsy sellers, you might have the idea of like, oh, I want to make like matching group t shirts for a bachelorette party. And it's gonna say bride and maid of honor and like bridesmaid, like, that's the idea of that. Like, of course, lots of people are gonna have that same idea. It's like, whatever it is that you create in that design, that's gonna be what's unique. I hope I put that into like a yeah. actual Etsy seller example. Um, yeah, no, that's okay. a great example. And the other thing that I actually just did a YouTube video on this a couple weeks ago is using other brands. So I hopefully not too many of you have gotten in trouble with you, but it, I would encourage you to go watch that full video on YouTube, but you don't want to implement other brands, even if they're smaller brands or if they're bigger brands. If somebody's selling a license on Etsy, to sell like something Louis Vuitton or Chanel or Nike, some kind of commercial license, all of that is infringement. They're, Nike, Chanel, Louis Vuitton, none of those brands are providing any type of license mm -hmm. to sell on Etsy. I can promise you that. So I get a lot of clients that get a cease and, assist, cease and assist letter after that, after they post that. So save yourself. Don't sell any other brands. That's another copyright and trademark tip. Um, yeah. And don't sell, don't put in your tags. This is like our number one thing in your titles, tags, things like that. Do not use trademarked brands, even yeah. if they're related. So like, I'll give you, I'll give everyone a really big example from Etsy. I see this literally every single day. You cannot use the word Starbucks on tumblers that you make. I don't, I know you're putting your own art on it, but you cannot use Starbucks, the word Starbucks in your tag. It doesn't matter that that's how people are searching for it. You will get shut down. Yeah. Disney's another big one. All the Disney characters, all the Marvel characters, Star Wars is one. You can't put these things in your title and your tags. Even if your work is the inspired fan artwork that you're selling, if you put these things in your title and tags, there are bots on Etsy that are searching for copyright infringement. I, I don't know. This was maybe a little bit off topic, but like as a form of protection, like it, this doesn't cost you anything to make sure that you're not doing this to like protect your business and not use things that are going to get you copyright infringement on Etsy. Yep, exactly. Well, Andrea, this is an absolute gold mine. Thank you so, so much for joining me, everyone. Um, this will be posted if you want to rewatch the full thing, if you joined us in and you didn't see everything. Um, we are going to put this on our Instagram feeds. So you can watch that. And then, of course, it's going to be on our podcast later on in the podcast season. So, Andrea, would you tell everyone what kind of resources you offer for small business owners and Etsy sellers specifically and where they can find you and connect with you? Yeah, so actually we have a we have a lot going on right now. So right now we have the pre-sale for my book coming out in January. If you pre-order that, you get a free one-on-one -on -one call with me through our legal protection playbook. And so the link is there in my bio. It's also at 
legalpreneur.com slash legalpreneur book. And there's also a series of masterclasses with that pre-order. And then with, as far as legal protection, we have our legalpreneur membership, which gets you all access to your own attorney, unlimited emails, a phone call every month, document review, everything you need to make sure you are fully legally protected. Awesome. Okay, cool. And we'll share all of that for everyone in our Instagram stories. And like I said, it'll be on our feed too. Thank you so much, Andrea. And I hope you have a very happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye.